0: Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast. We appreciate you making time to learn and grow with us. Here you will find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, have a listen.
1: I don't know, it seems that this, uh, this series, we've been adding movies at the start of it. Uh, I think Nathan might have mentioned one. And um, so there's this movie written by, well, kind of produced by Steven Spielberg called The Terminal, played by T- Tom Hanks is in the movie. And he plays this guy named Victor Navarsky. And um, so this poor guy gets, you know, he arrives at JFK Airport in New York. And mid-flight, there's a war that's happening in his country. And uh, the government collapses, his passport is no longer good, he can't enter officially in the United States past uh, the borders, and so his passport's no good anymore. And so he has to take up residence in JFK airport for an indefinite amount of time and figure out what to do until his situation back home is resolved. And I was thinking about this kind of theme, and it's actually based on on a true story, but of course... Steven Spielberg elaborated, but have you ever been stuck somewhere, like stuck somewhere and thinking like with, only, with just lots and lots of time on your hands, but you know that it's like a waiting game, it's like a, kind of just a placeholder for something, and you ask yourself that question, what am I going to do while I wait? Maybe it's been in a waiting room, maybe it's been a situation, maybe it's been a season of your life. I bet you if you were uh, Victor in that, you know, that, that airport, you might log up lots of Netflix hours if your data plan is good. You just might like. How do I waste time? You might like sleep a lot and find corners in the airport uh, to sleep. Uh, many of us have done that. Uh, maybe you will get up every sixty minutes and complain to someone that you think has authority to fix your situation. Like, when is this going to get done? When am I going to find out? When will you let me? Can I at least go visit Central Park? Like, make somebody guide me there and all that kind of stuff. And what happens? What's really interesting about the story is that Victor explores the airport. He decides to be intentional. He develops friendships. I think in the movie even falls in love with somebody Uh, he makes it his home until until he can get back to his real home until he's allowed to leave the airport and then eventually get back home and this is really a question of advent for us when you think about this this is a question that advent kind of like confronts us with and addresses what do we do while we wait because we uh, live in a world that yes we are citizens of this world but those who are followers of jesus are citizens of god's kingdom And we also live in a moment in time between the resurrection, the first resurrection of Jesus, and the second resurrection, where the Scripture's promises those who are in Christ will also experience resurrection and be with Christ. What do we do while we wait? If Advent is helping us anticipate the future reign of Jesus, when God will make all things right and put everything to right, what do we do in the meantime? Do we sit and watch Netflix? Proportionately, maybe that's not a crime. Uh, do we let the world be the world and hope for the best? Do we force the world to be like God's kingdom and also hope for the best? Uh, if you were back with us back in uh, you know, in September in our series called Alert, we'd say no, we, we don't want to force the world um, into things. But we, we, I think there's some some insight here from the prophet Isaiah. So I'm going to turn to Isaiah again. And we've been walking through just portions of Isaiah this month during, during Advent. And Isaiah is a, an incredible um, Old Testament prophetic voice. And um, you know among the prophets, he has a unique picture of God's future that, uh, that is shared in that book, slightly different or more than others. And he's not sharing necessarily what some might call an end time scenario, but a picture of new creation and redemption, God's fulfilled future version of what he wants to see happen. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 61, or just listen as well if you'd like, or follow on the screen. Uh, All of the texts this month in Isaiah have been so wonderful, and I really love this one as well. So here's Isaiah 61, starting in verse 1, and this is what uh, the scriptures say. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the renewed cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance." And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge they that they are a people the Lord has blessed. Now let's pray for a moment. God, we pause and invite you to help us um, really receive your word, hear your word, even beyond some of the things that I will have a limited time to focus on, God, that, that you might even just bring us back to this text this week and uh, speak deeply into our heart and our lives, into the season of our life, into the world we live in, God. So we just say yes to that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just like um, last week, this is good news for a broken people. This is, you know, similar to what we explored last week because we were still in Isaiah, and Isaiah is speaking here, similar to the same audience. Uh, Israel or Judah has fallen prey to another nation, and it feels its oppression. It feels the struggle. You can listen to the description of the people receiving this message in the first couple of verses, right? To those who are poor or lowly, to those who are brokenhearted, to those who are feel like captives, to those who are imprisoned, to those who are grieving. And before we get to the good news, we must sit with the struggle that they sit in. We must kind of put ourselves in their shoes or sit in their seat. And I was thinking, like, what what would be a modern... Uh, Understanding of this, and I was thinking, like a modern uh, Ukrainian or a current Palestinian that maybe is sitting in similar shoes that 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 we see described here. Consider how the current Ukrainian or Palestinian might might describe what life is like right now. Put yourself in the middle of the rubble. Put yourself in the middle or close to a collapsed building. Put yourself in a place where you long to drink water, but the only water that's there has been stagnant for days. There's no running water. There's no water supply. There's limited medical supplies. There's little access to communication. And on top of that, those grieving a son or a daughter or a mother or a father or a coworker or a friend that was lost in a missile strike that wasn't able to get the medical attention that they could have gotten if the supplies were there, if the doctors were there, if the hospital wasn't blown up, just to save them. Verse 3 says, those who grieve in Zion, those who are grieving in their own city, in their city, but a broken city. My wife and I recently walked through the Christmas market down near Place des Arts. And it's wonderful. And I, I, I love walking through that stuff. And I often think like at the end of an evening, I'm like, man, our city really knows how to make things look special. You know, it's just packed with people, music and beautiful decor and lights and everything. But then, but then it's kind of like, imagine like the script completely changes and I'm walking through St. Catherine Street and Blurry and Jean and near Place des Arts and half the building's broken and the electrical, and the electrical wires are cut. And it looks empty and there's abandoned vehicles and we're looking for help and we can't find it. This is kind of what it would feel like to these people receiving this message, those who grieve in Zion. This is who this message is for, the hurting, the broken, the poor, the oppressed. And yet Isaiah starts off with good news. God has commissioned Isaiah to bring good news. And we know he's commissioned because of the way this starts off. The spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. In other words, God has breathed on me to come and share this news with you. God has anointed me, given me purpose, called me, convicted me, commissioned me to come and proclaim this good news. And the good news that we see tied to the broken feeling is He's, he's calling you to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom to these captives and to release from darkness these prisoners and to speak good news to the poor. And this is good news. It's telling these people, God sees you in your brokenness and he will come and heal you. And that's important for many of us today when we sometimes find ourselves in a season of brokenness, in a season of struggle. And maybe, you know, it's difficult to compare anything that we go through with some of the situations I just mentioned, but even in a season or parts of our world where there's oppression, imagine this good news. God sees you in your brokenness. He's coming to heal you. Isaiah comes to proclaim the year of God's favor. Imagine after a whole season of brokenness, God comes and says, there's going to be a year of favor. That's good news. That's good news. There's elements of, of prophecy here in the current time for Isaiah, but also even for us where, you know, there's a talk of a day of vengeance where there will be a finality to evil, where God will bring evil to justice. There's a talk of the year of God's favor, where there the future flourishing, a new creation that God promises And think about this, this is wonderful when you read the book of Isaiah, and it's an interesting book to read, but Isaiah often lifts our eyes up, lifts our eyes up to look way beyond our situation and to look towards new creation. And that's part of the good news. Part of the good news that says, maybe it's not happening right now, but God is coming, He's going to work, He's going to do this, He's going to bring this healing. And that's part of the good news that breaks into the brokenness, this promise, this hope, given by this authoritative voice whom God has breathed on, whom God has anointed to do this. But do you ever wonder when you read good news like this? Because we we know some of the reality of it. Because even when we get good news or have this promise to us, it doesn't always happen right now, right? I mean, we'd love it if like, boom, it just happened. We would love it if the wound is healed immediately. We would love it if the broken city was rebuilt immediately. We would love it If the Illertort Bridge was fixed tomorrow, we would love it. But there is this time of waiting, you know, this time of waiting. God's good news is announced, but we often wait for it to come. What do you do while you wait? What do you do while you're waiting for that? Well, I think part of it is we get to work. I don't mean like, you know, punch a clock kind of work, but I mean get to being active and purposeful. Verse 3 says something really amazing about this people hearing this message, that God calls them, they will be called oaks of righteousness Uh, and, and this display of God's splendor. In other words, that while you wait, you will flourish and bear fruit and display God's promises for others. I mean, Jeremiah had a similar message to those who were exiled in Babylon. I think it's in chapter 29 where he says, listen, you're in this place. You're exiled to this place. And here's what you need to do. Pray for the, for the, for the peace of your city, for the shalom of your city. And be present there and live your life there and engage there and pursue the peace. Because as the city prospers, so will you prosper. Here is something similar to that. That Israel's is called oaks of righteousness to display God's splendor. And then in verse 4, it looks like that they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the places long, dev- long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities. Isn't that an amazing call? But a hard call too because it's like, okay, while I'm waiting for this to happen, you're calling me to engage. There's a real caution here. For those who are in ruins, or have been in ruins, or those who have been oppressed, or those who have been hurt. As often you hear the phrase, those who are hurt, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. When hurt people don't find forgiveness and restoration, they often also become hurt people. And there's a real caution here that those who uh, have been oppressed will be tempted to be an oppressor when they're freed from their oppression. How often have we seen those rescued from oppression become oppressors? How often have we seen those who have been crushed by power, when they get power in their hands, they end up crushing people? How often have we seen those who have been given favor misuse that favor with others? But the the prophecy here, the word here to this people is very different. Those who grieve become givers. Those who have felt the ruins become rebuilders. Don't make other people live in ruins. Become a rebuilder. Don't be the source of other people's grief. Become people who give and contribute. And that's why if you caught this little connection in verse 3, right, God's going to provide for those who grieve in Zion, and they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. I love that. Oaks of righteousness. Have you ever sat under an oak tree? Have you ever sat under a big oak tree that's been around for a long time? There's something beautiful about that, whether you see it in a field or on a mountainside or maybe in someone's backyard that's big enough or a park or something like that. There's something just so beautiful about that. Its roots are so deep. Its trunk is so thick. Its leaves are beautiful. And as it grows and grows and grows, it provides shade for everybody who comes near it. There's something wonderful about an oak tree. And here's what I want you to consider And also be cautious about, but now consider. And I put it on the screen for us. When God rescues you, whether it's literal or spiritual darkness, it deepens your roots, it matures your core, it produces fruitfulness or fruit so you can provide shade. In other words, so you can provide goodness and good news to others around you. When God rescues you, when God rescues me, we're not called to be ones that just take that and walk away but our roots get deepened, our maturity grows, our core grows, our fruit grows, and we become people then who bring good news and goodness to others around us. Isn't that incredible? I think of, I think of the story, historical moments in South Africa. Nelson Mandela spent 20, over 27 years in prison because he confronted the oppression of, um, of blacks in, in South Africa. Eventually, he was freed, And it's a wonderful story, uh, true account to read about. Eventually, he was freed. And eventually, he was elected with power to govern South Africa. Imagine some of those who were the oppressors are like, oh my gosh, what is Mandela going to do? And something beautiful about Mandela is he didn't allow his grieving to to cause grief for others. He didn't allow the grief that was put that that he went through because of all the struggle that he went through and all the oppression that he experienced to lead him to be the source of grief for others. In fact, he partnered up with a pastor in South Africa, a minister called Desmond Tutu, who they worked alongside each other really, really well, and you can see their pictures. And I love every I mean I think any picture of Desmond Tutu is he's smiling. Like, this guy who has experienced so much difficulty, and even Mandela, like their smiles just light up a room. Maybe that's why it lit up the country. I don't know. But as, as Mandela worked with Desmond Tutu, they, they created something led by Tutu called the, the Truth and Reconciliation Project, where, they, where, where Desmond Tutu said, like, we cannot move forward from our past unless we deal with it unless we're honest about it, unless we, we bring one another to account from it, unless we, we name the sins of the past, unless we work through confession, unless we understand our grief, and unless we move towards forgiveness, we will never prevent the oppressed from becoming oppressors. And so they, they did something called the Truth and Reconciliation Project to be able to help South Africa move forward and not allow those who were oppressed to become oppressors that those who felt the ruins would become rebuilders. It's a wonderful example, but it's not perfect. South Africa is not a perfect nation. Even what, you know, what they did was wonderful, but not perfect, because there's Christian themes in its healings that were very, very good, but you could never compare even what happened there to God's promise and new creation. That's the real deal. There's glimpses of it. The real deal is God's new creation promised for you and me, what we're waiting for, what Advent calls us to anticipate. But you can work while you wait. Right? You can work while you wait. We can work while we wait. When God rescues, you become a rescuer. When God battles injustice on your behalf, you become a person who a person of justice. When God rebuilds you, you become a rebuilder. When God gives you hope, you become a steward of hope, we can work while we wait. We can work while we wait. And we see this lived out in the life of Jesus. There's a story, a moment in Jesus' life, and please, when I say story, don't ever see that as myth or whatever. I mean, I mean like a true account of Jesus' life, right? Uh, when, when there's a moment that, that um, the gospel writer Luke uh, lets us know, when Jesus walks into the temple one day, people are really curious about it. They're wondering who he is and what he's about and what he's going to say, and there's already been, already been rumors about this person and this person who teaches with authority and this person who is already you know kind of having some disciples and this and that, and like, who is this person? and what's his purpose? What kind of authority does he have? And he walks into the temple and that day the religious leaders as they would do every day or every time they gathered they would open up the scroll to a portion of their scriptures and that day the scroll gets opened up to Isaiah 61 and it gets handed to Jesus and he reads the reading of the day in his time in that temple among those people And he reads the first couple of verses in Isaiah 61 where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he stops there. And then Jesus says to everyone listening, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What guts (laughs) to do that, unless it was true, unless Jesus would also be a future fulfillment of what Isaiah said hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. And you read the Gospels, and Jesus' life is filled with the activity described in those verses. He is one who is freeing and releasing and curing and healing and binding up wounds and giving sight to the blind and coming alongside people and, 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 and ex- just exposing or spreading so much grace. as Even as he speaks truth, he's just, he's just incredible. And he lets them know that day. Today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. we got to remember, though, that Jesus was waiting for a cross, and Jesus and even through the cross was waiting for the resurrection, but that didn't stop him to work while he waited. Jesus knew that the fullness of God's kingdom, he was just part of the breaking in of God's kingdom. He was just part of the announcement of God's kingdom that brought this good news. The good news is here, the kingdom of God has arrived, and Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus knows that as much as he is the one who will reign fully one day, in that moment it's just a glimpse of God's kingdom. It's just an overlap of God's kingdom over the world, heaven over earth. And that's why he tells us to pray, "Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." He still tells us he called his disciples to pray that We still pray that today, but while Jesus waited, he worked. While Jesus waited, he was active. While Jesus waited, he lived out Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. He was active displaying the splendor of God's kingdom. And when Jesus first met his disciples, they were living under Roman rule, they were living under oppression. They were longing for something and they heard this good news, but you know what? Even when the good news came and they saw Jesus at work and they saw this glimpse of God's splendor, Rome was still in power. Oppression was still happening. And you know what Jesus tells them on the Sermon on the Mount? You go and be the salt of the earth, you go and be the light of the world. Work while you wait. Work while you wait. After the resurrection, Rome cracks down on this growing, fragile community of people of the way of Jesus. And we read in the last book of the Bible in Revelation where John writes to these seven churches, these little blips on the screen of the Roman Empire, and he writes to these churches, we went through it all in 20, I was going to say last year, but two years ago in 2022, these lampstands in their world, these lampstands in their world. In the middle of the oppression, in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the contrast, John writes to these seven churches, post-resurrection, Jesus resurrected and ascended and the Spirit came, but they're still waiting for the fullness of it. And what are, what are they called to be? A display of God's splendor, oaks of righteousness. They work, we work while we wait. And that's so important, and we see this throughout church history I always say the church is imperfect; it's messy. And that's okay, we gotta be honest about that. But there's wonderful glimpses of the church working while it waits. There was a fourth century church leader called Basil the Great in the Cappadocian area, now modern day Turkey, he had such a heart for the poor and such a heart for the hurting that he initiated what we now know as a, as a modern-day hospital, as modern-day orphanages, as modern-day food banks, and he called the church together. And you know what he called it? He called it a basile. He called it a city. And the cities around started to be envious. Like, why is this, why, why is this working so well? Why are, why are the hurting being helped here? And in that moment in the fourth century, in the middle of their rubble, they were a display of God's glory, of God's kingdom. They were working while they waited. See, because the good news isn't just it will be all right today. Now it's the news is so good. When we hear this news, when we respond to this news, when we become followers of Jesus, and I'm seeing it, this falls so much in people's lives as, as their heart and mind and, and eyes light up to who Jesus is. There is such a goodness to coming to follow Jesus. We just feel the goodness of it. But we know that we, we might still have a struggle at work tomorrow morning. And we know that maybe our paycheck might not be exactly as we wanted. And we know that, you know, we're going to struggle with sickness, you know, at some point in our life. And so the good news isn't only it will be all right today, but that one day the one who will make it right is now with us, is with you, is with me, is walking with us, is present with us, so that you and I and we can feel God's goodness even in the middle of the wait But also live in such a way while we wait that we would be described as oaks of righteousness. Pick your metaphor. I know oaks of righteousness might not be a modern metaphor. Pick your metaphor. But that you and I would be oaks of righteousness or one version says faithful oaks. A display of God's splendor. I'm going to invite Alex and the team to come up and I'd love to end our, um, our gathering just with an expression of worship. But I want you to think about this. Next time... Next time you're stuck in an airport, look around and ask yourself, God, how can I display your splendor while I wait? You might be stuck for an hour, for two hours, maybe unfortunately stuck for seven hours. Maybe your layover is so horrible, you wish you had data so you can at least watch one movie to pass the time. Maybe you're one of those people, like all of us are tempted to at times, to get up several times and say, what? What's happening? When are we going to get out of here? But the next time you're in an airport, look around and ask, how can I display God's splendor? But of course, it's more than just airports. Look around in your neighborhood. Look around in your workplace. Look around right in your own home with your family. Look around across the street. Even today, look around across this room and in the lobby when we're talking afterwards and say, Lord, how can I be a person that while I wait, I'm so grateful for your good news in my life, but I know and I'm waiting for the full goodness of your kingdom to come. God, while I wait, tell me to be a display of your splendor. What does that mean in your relationship this week? What does that mean in the struggle you're having with someone at work? What does that mean with the person that lives down the street from you that maybe is in such need for someone to display God's splendor? Maybe they're looking for something, for someone who would be a voice, who would be a steward, who would be an instrument to give them some good news. What if you're that person that we work while we wait? And then as we look at the world around us, we can't do everything, but God has called us to work for justice for reconciliation, for peace, to stand with those who are hurting and to bring, um, you know, to call others to account in how they are doing things. We can be those kinds of people in that kind of community to show the contrast of God's kingdom. So that's my invitation to you. And today, my, 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 just as we close, is how can we surrender ourselves, our life, to become one, who works while we wait. And don't get me wrong, this is not frantic work. This is not, oh my gosh, I don't have enough time in the day, I'm gonna be so tired. This is a restful work because we live out of rest. Even in the messiness and of all the things that we're called to be and be a part of in God's mission, we're still called to Sabbath. Isn't that odd? Wouldn't we like not Sabbath, not rest, if the world is so messy? But we're still called to pause, say, God, I know you're at work even when I'm not. I know you're the one who gives me strength even when I don't have it. I know that even when I take this pause, you're taking the whole burden doesn't rely on me. It's not a frantic work, but it is an attentiveness to being active as oaks of righteousness, faithful oaks, a display of God's splendor in our world and our culture. So I'm going to ask us now, just as we come to this close, to pray. And. um, Maybe for some here today who are just been exploring with our church for the last few weeks, maybe this, this season and you have not yet come to this point of deciding who Jesus is or, or maybe making a decision after you've come to know who Jesus is. And I want to invite you into that first because what I've talked about today cannot be done alone, cannot be done in your own strength. That's a lot of good social work. But God has called us to be in our world in the name of Jesus. And I just, I want to invite you into this good news first, into this declaration of good news for you. Maybe it's not a literal oppression or bondage, but there is something, and the reason why you've been coming lately or here today is because you are looking for freedom and healing and wholeness and that comes through the one who picked up the scroll that day and said this scroll is fulfilled in your hearing he's the one who wants to heal you and shape you and free you and his name is Jesus and I just invite you in this moment briefly before I pray for all of us that you would just take an opportunity to say yes to Jesus if you've come to know who he is as God's son as the one who went to the cross and died for your sin and my sin as the one who resurrected and defeated the grave and as the one who ascended whom now we see as Lord and leader of our lives if you can confess that and acknowledge that God says come come I want to make you new I want to free you and fill you, and heal you. Just take a moment and say yes to Jesus. If you're at that place this morning with us, even if you're online watching, express who you know Jesus to be as Lord, as God's son, as one who died for you, ultimately those who confess him as Lord. So an expression of trust in your prayers. If you've embraced this moment or leaned in with this prayer or time to really give your heart to Christ, we'd love to talk with you afterwards. Please don't leave today without letting us know. But let's take a moment now and just pray together. Let's surrender our hearts, our lives to God that we would be people who live as a display of God's splendor and that we would be people who proclaim the good news of God's splendor. Maybe there's a situation right away you're coming, coming to mind at work or home that you're just saying, Lord, use me. Use me to be a display of your splendor, a proclamation of good news in that environment this week. Maybe there's a, one or two people you've been intending to invite next week to hear the beautiful truth behind Christmas that Jesus came into our world and you've lacked the boldness or the intentionality and so right now just whoever these people are I would just pray just pray for them right now in a moment let's lift them up and if there's nobody ask the Lord to give bring one or two people to mind so you can be a steward of this message to them this week where we all partner together on Saturday night Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. Um, we have surrendered ourselves to you, God. And even many, maybe many here in this place that would identify with those who have grieved or are grieving and yet have heard your good news. Oh, God, may we become those who become oaks of righteousness, faithful oaks, a display of your glory. Oh, God, for those of us who have received your hope, God, we long to be stewards of hope. For those who have been rescued by you, we long to be those who rescue others. For those who have been rebuilt by you, renewed by you, made new in Christ, God, we long to be used by you to help others grow and be rebuilt, oh, God. And as we look at the world around us, God, may we individually and as a church community, God, oh, God, be uh, your living in local presence, a reflection here of who you are. May we feel the breath of your spirit over us as Isaiah did. May we sense your anointing call to be your people in our world. We give ourselves over to that, God. Especially as we end this year in this final Sunday gathering, God. We thank you so much for all your goodness this year. All that we've seen you do in our church and in our lives. But this pivotal moment, Lord, we also give ourselves over to how you want to keep working with us and in us and through us in 2024 and right now it's only two weeks away but God we give you ourselves today as our church we give of ourselves to you God we surrender ourselves to you we want to be used for your glory and your purposes to be people who proclaim your good news and live it out oh God we pray this in Jesus incredible name Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you in your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us. Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey and we hope that you can grow with us. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller group environments and resources for all ages between Sundays. We would love to hear from you. Would you like to ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you? Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com giving. Until next time, peace to you.